You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Once again, for Southern Pride Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. They're ready for you. Maybe you don't want to wait until next weekend when it's a little bit crazy heading into Valentine's Day one week from this Sunday. Maybe you want to push things up a bit. Maybe get it in this weekend. You can do that. They're ready for you. Those chocolate dipped strawberries ready for you. Those heart-shaped, full-size chocolate hearts filled with chocolate-covered popcorn. They're ready for you. Gift baskets, any type of chocolate item to make your sweetheart exceptionally happy they're ready to do that for you at peterbrook chocolates here 1530 mcfarland boulevard north joined on the program by executive producer jacob harrison who together we combined to form the 60 bit of a of sports talk radio jacob on this pre-super bowl friday have you uh have you amped it up any since we last spoke yesterday in terms of your anticipation of Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Chiefs, Bucks, Tampa, Florida. Fired up yet? I mean, I'm pretty hyped. I think this is going to be a, a, a pretty good game. At least it, it you know, should be on paper. We've seen that kind of unravel before, like with the Seahawks and the Broncos. Uh, hopefully we don't get anything like that. But I feel pretty good about it being a good game. Uh, I'm starting to lean a little bit more towards the Buccaneers. Uh, but I don't think I'm going to know who's going to win this thing until right before kickoff. Yeah, you know, and not much Alabama representation in the game. Really, none at all, I guess. You've got O.J. Howard out due to injury. Been out for most of the season with that Achilles situation, the former Alabama tight end. Uh, Garrick Dieter's kind of been on again, off again. The former Alabama wide receiver, the one and done, the grad transfer, as you might recall, who came to Alabama for the 2016 season. Garrick Good buddies with Patrick Mahomes. That's the gig to have in professional football right now. Good friends with Patrick Mahomes. That's that's the job I would want. But uh, Garrick Dieter's been more practice squad than he's been active roster. But, you know, you go back through the history of the Super Bowl, and, I mean, I don't know how it could have gone anywhere other than down from the Alabama perspective once you got past Super Bowl three, right? I mean, all you had in the first three Super Bowls were winning quarterbacks from the University of Alabama. Bart Starr in one and two. And then the figure that is synonymous and really the guy responsible for legitimizing what became the Super Bowl, Joe Willie Namath in Super Bowl three. So, I mean, where were you going to go from there, Jacob? What were you going to do to top those first three? when you had the winning quarterbacks in each of the first three contests. Now, you know, we'll go through some of the games throughout history. I mean, you had Kenny Stabler quarterbacking the 
world champion Oakland Raiders there. That was one of those formative games of my youth. We'll talk with Pops about that because I still remember that game like it was yesterday because at that point, I was a big fan of Fran Tarkington, the Minnesota Vikings quarterback. I just love to watch Fran Tarkington. He was one of those first guys for me anyway was Manziel-like Francis was, University of Georgia product, as we know. Ahead of Fran his time. Would, yeah, you're right, Jacob. He would run around, break the pocket, extend plays. You want to talk about extending play, plays, go YouTube some Fran Tarkinen, especially with an emphasis not so much on the time with the Giants, maybe with the Giants too early on because they had some bad teams, I think. Probably had to do it. But with the Vikings, man, Chuck Foreman, Fran Tarkinen, Sammy White, at wide receiver. I was kind of a Vikings fan. I was torn there between sort of the Vikings and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, you know, I was looking at that, Jacob, and that dynasty for your Steelers there in the 70s. Really wasn't any Alabama representation on those teams. Now, look, John Stallworth, we're going to go ahead and grant him status because John Stallworth, he was just born right here. He's a native of Tuscaloosa. I think John Stallworth gets to count, Jacob. I don't know about you. I mean, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let it go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll let that one go as a Tuscaloosa native. Uh, and then on to Alabama A&M and just an incredible run with Len Swan and Terry Bradshaw, Franco Harris, those great, great Pittsburgh Steelers teams. So we'll, uh, we'll grant John. Yeah, we'll go ahead and grant John that status. We'd love to hear from you today, by the way. At 205-342-9904, that is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line. Obviously going to get into some college basketball talk as well as Alabama on the men's side. A huge one, a big one, top 20 matchup in Como tomorrow morning. Another 11 a.m. tip-off for the second straight Saturday. Alabama and Missouri, one versus two. In the SEC standings, as it sits right now, Alabama, of course, at a perfect 10-0. Missouri following its midweek home win over the Kentucky, the hapless, hapless. How many times do we get to say that in a basketball season? The hapless Kentucky Wildcats. Missouri 5-3 and three in the league. Arkansas, Florida, LSU logjam there at 6-4. and four. Tennessee with that huge road loss midweek at Ole Miss. Dagger dagger to the Vols there in Oxford. So you get a win tomorrow if you're Alabama and you send Missouri to five and four. I think you like your chances there uh, heading down the final seven or so of the SEC season. We'll talk some more about that with Charlie Potter, my colleague there at BamaOnline.com coming up in just a little bit. We'll also have pops later in the program. Never know what you're going to get with Pops. We'll go down some memory lane, Super Bowl memory lane with Pops as well. I still don't think Pops is real happy. Speaking of midweek midweek basketball games, Pops is Gators, man, losing at home to South Carolina. Losing at home to South Carolina a couple nights ago. We'll see how honorary he is on this Friday. First, though, let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line at 205-342-9904. Check in with Michael in Duncanville. Michael, how you doing this morning? I'm doing okay. How y'all doing? We're doing great. Well, I won't say this. I know a lot of people are big are big time. In, they like the NFL. I like the NFL. It's okay. But even if my favorite team was in the uh, Super Bowl, the Dallas Cowboys, I'd still be more more in the Alabama basketball because I'm 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 big time in the basketball. I'll go back to the men playing post all tour when we got in the big arena on, on the corner down the street. So. Uh huh. I like, I like Baylor basketball more than I do the NFL. That's, that's just one of Alabama fans' opinion. I'm not saying everybody's got to do it because Michael does it, but that's that's me. But us beating Missouri tomorrow in basketball will be, be a be a Super Bowl win for me. But all the games Alabama was playing basketball and won in the SEC hadn't lost yet. That's Super Bowl wins to me. That's the way I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be huge. Be huge tomorrow, Michael, to go on the road, as we just outlined for you, and beat a Missouri team that is three games back in the loss column. And then you send Missouri to that fourth league loss, and you're sitting there at 11-0 in the league, and you look at the schedule coming up, and you think, well, you know, here's three very winnable games uh, before you get into a, a closing stretch that would be a little bit more difficult in all likelihood 
Well, uh, I want to say this also. We got the right coach. I mean, I hate we couldn't get it done with Anthony Grant and Avery Johnson. And mm-hmm. anybody before Wimp was the coach, you know, that came after. You know, David I, Hobbs. I you know, Wimp done a great job. I know, I kind of know Wimp personally. I got graduated high school with his middle son, so I, I, I remember Scott. But anyhow, I think we've got the coach we need right now since we had Wimp. And uh, I think he's going to do a great job. I've been telling people, you know, out here in public, I said, look, we got we got the right coach. So just, yeah. just, just wait. Something, something good is going to happen. Well, you look right right now. I can tell you that, Michael. And we're excited, too, tomorrow about that matchup with Missouri. Anything else for us, Michael? Uh, we... I guess that's all. Uh, but, you know, when it, comes, when it comes to politics, make sure you vote the right people in and vote the wrong people out. How about – I'll leave you all that today. And, uh, if you ain't right with the Lord, get right with the Lord. How about that? All right, Michael. We appreciate you Y'all have it, a good man. day. Have, I appreciate have a great it. weekend. There he goes. Michael, getting it all in there. On a Friday morning. Yeah, when you look at this Missouri team, you kind of look at it in through the lens of Xavier Pinson on the outside. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman, brutish post presence there on the uh, inside. Uh, but the problem is when you have a guy like Drew Smith at the guard position do what he did against Kentucky midweek. Now, it's one thing to have to deal with, again, Pinson. Tillman, got a couple of Smiths, Mark Smith, Drew Smith. Uh, but Drew Smith was really good against Kentucky a couple of nights ago. 26 points, seven boards, five assists, uh, 12 of 14 from the free throw line. When you consider that Missouri shot a pretty average 18 of 26, uh, he, he shined in several areas. So it, it's one thing to have to deal with a couple of these guys like Penson and Tillman, but you know, what you can't have happen is another guy go off like Drew Smith. 205-342-9904. Yeah, you'll also hear coming up probably in the next hour or so, uh, your social media timeline should be adjusted accordingly. Uh, Nate Oates, before Alabama makes that trip out to Columbia, will address the media. And it's kind of become a thing where it's a – it's a uh, – it's an injury update every Friday afternoon or every Monday or Tuesday afternoon, depending on if Alabama plays Tuesday or Wednesday in the midweek, just to see the health and the availability of this team. Now, when you look at the SEC in general for tomorrow, what we've learned already today is that the Florida LSU game set for Baton Rouge uh, tomorrow has been postponed. Got some COVID issues within the Florida program. So uh, that's something that won't be taking place tomorrow from the league perspective. Otherwise, Mississippi State at South Carolina, Ole Miss at Auburn, Vanderbilt at Georgia, Texas A&M at Arkansas, and then the nightcap on ESPN, Tennessee at Kentucky. But obviously, obviously, your marquee game tomorrow right out the gate, 11 a.m. with Alabama and Missouri out there in Como. 205-342-9904. Still kind of digesting the days that have followed since Alabama state claim to that historic recruiting effort. Its latest number one class under head coach Nick Saban on the football front. And the thing about it is, as we've talked about, not entirely done perhaps, this Alabama class. I know you start wondering about the numbers at some point, right? You start wondering about, well, Sabanomics always seems to work out, but given the numbers, uh, you wonder a little bit. I think we've learned at this point, though, that uh, Nick handles that. They get that handled pretty well as far as making the numbers crunch. And, you know, we talked about JT Tui Malau, the big defensive end from the Pacific Northwest, who – Looks as if he's going to push his recruitment back or his commitment slash signing back until, say, maybe even perhaps April, May, because he'd like to be able to make some official visits, sort of waiting to see what the NCAA is going to do with this ban of on-campus visits and and the like. Uh, but there's also Brian Thomas Jr. out there, a wide receiver from the state of Louisiana And now he is extended beyond Wednesday's national signing date. 
And you look at Alabama with these four wide receivers already signed, and you think, well, can they really take five? But you don't get the sense, at least right now, that Brian Thomas Jr. is being told by Alabama that that we're all full, that the inn is full here in Tuscaloosa. So he's another guy to keep an eye on, an outstanding prospect in his own right, a guy that Alabama has coveted throughout the process. And when Alabama did pick up JoJo Earl late in the early signing period, the sort of default belief was that, well, that's it. They got four. Brian Thomas will end up at home state LSU, maybe Texas A&M. Those have been the three schools that have been talked about the most when I when I convene with Tim Watts, site publisher for us there at BamaOnline.com, or we talk with Hank South, recruiting analyst for us there at BOL, those have been the three schools, Alabama, LSU, Texas A&M. So, uh, and he doesn't seem as if he's in a real hurry, Brian Thomas Jr. So we'll see how that one goes as well. Going to step aside for our first break. and we come back, Charlie Potter will join us here on the program. My colleague there at BamaOnline.com does an outstanding job covering the Crimson Tide for us. We'll talk with Charlie and a whole lot more when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Friday presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Everwood Treatment Company, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama athletics has announced its plans relating to capacity, ticket distribution, and game day operations for the 2021 Alabama baseball season. While there will be no public sales of season tickets due to the demand from existing ticket holders, fans looking to secure single-game tickets should visit RollTide.com and follow Alabama baseball on social media as updates to ticket inventory will be shared on a game-by-game basis. As a reminder, ticket holders have the ability and are encouraged to transfer, sell, or donate tickets should they be unable to attend a game. Details on how to manage mobile tickets can be found on RollTide.com. I'll have more in a moment. Everwood Treatment Company is wood treated right. Everwood is the most technologically advanced pressure treated wood available. That means no rotting, no decay, no problems. Just wood treated right. Everwood is your treated wood source and the official pressure treated lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. If you're looking to add or replace decks, outdoor structures, or commercial jobs, choose Everwood for wood treated right. If you need it, we'll get it to you. To locate your local Everwood store, visit everwoodtreatment.com. Everwood Treatment, official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We've got you covered for Alabama men's basketball against Missouri on Saturday morning in Columbia. Alabama has won 10 straight SEC games and remains atop the SEC standings at 10-0, while Missouri is the next closest challenger to the Tide at 5-3. Tip-off from Columbia, Missouri is set for 11 a.m. Central. Our coverage on the network begins at 10 a.m., and we hope you can join us from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa for the broadcast. And that's your Bama update. Crimson Tide Today brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. Partially sunny this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high 51. For tonight, mostly fair with the low at 30. Tomorrow becoming cloudy, a chance of rain by afternoon, the high 52. And for Sunday, rain ending early in the day, becoming partially sunny, the high 51. I'm James Spann on the 80. Uh, Alabama women last night at Coleman Coliseum. We previewed that one for you a little bit yesterday with top 25 Georgia in town. Both those teams five and four going into last night's game. And for the fifth time in their last seven meetings, Alabama and Georgia go to overtime. 
This time the dogs get it done, 83-76. So Alabama slips to 5-5 five and five with his third straight loss in conference play. Still a team, though, very much in the bracket from what you get the sense of seeing from the likes of Charlie Cream, who is essentially the Joe Lenardi for women's basketball at ESPN. So I think Alabama still safely in the bracket and has some games coming up. The next three very winnable games for Alabama. You got Florida in there, Auburn, I think Ole Miss. Auburn may go the entire women's season without an SEC win. That's how bad the Tigers are this year. Now, Ole Miss, a very talented young team, knocked off a top 15 team in Kentucky last night. That was a little bit of a surprise. So I don't think you can take Ole Miss for granted. Florida's got some veterans on that team, some talent. But if you could win these next three, get to eight and five, and you're looking at Mississippi State here in Tuscaloosa, you'll have uh, Arkansas and A&M in those final three regular season games. Take one of those three, nine and seven in the league. I think you're a you're a lock to make the NCAA tournament for the first time since 1999. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. Check in with Charlie Potter. Does an outstanding job covering the Crimson Tide for us there at BamaOnline.com. And Charlie, speaking to Joe Lenardi. Joe Lenardi in his latest bracketology following Alabama's 18-point win over LSU on Wednesday night has the Crimson Tide on the one line. Right now, Charlie, just as we all anticipated, you know, what, five or six weeks ago? Yeah, it's uh, definitely a change of pace, but uh, Alabama's been playing you know, really well. Um, yeah, I don't think after that start to, to non-conference play that you know we thought that this would be possible, but Alabama hasn't lost a, a single SEC game. Now, it did, you know, when it dipped back into non-conference play, it lost to, to Oklahoma, but it was able to bounce back against a good LSU team. Of course, they were down Darius Days, but you know, Alabama's banged up, and you know, they were kind of able to get out of their shell a little bit. A little bit the, the funk they'd been in uh, of late, last three games before you know, facing the Tigers, and and now you know they they sit four games up in the SEC standings with what eight games to go. They're going to face off against the second place team in the SEC in Missouri this weekend, so they can continue to put some distance between themselves and the rest of the pack and. Um, still though, I mean, with the way they played in January and really probably like, like the last month and a half, uh, I, I'm not sure that I envision them ever reaching a number one seed in, in bracketology. Um, of course there's still a lot of basketball to go. That doesn't mean that's what they'll be whenever March comes around, but even being in that discussion with some of the teams we've seen this season, it says a lot about the job that NATOs and these players have done this season. We talked about it at the end of the previous segment. It's the eve of a game, so as much as anything, I guess with Nate Oates, that means injury update for this team, which amazingly sits there at 10-0 and 0, uh, despite the, the issues it's had in terms of trying to keep guys healthy. Yeah, and I mean, the only guy that, that really hasn't been able to play is, is Jordan Bruner, and uh, last week Nate Oates said he was still going to be about two to three weeks, if not more. Uh, so they're going to be without Bruner again. But, um, you know, with Herb, uh, he obviously has been banged up with the, the finger, with the back. I mean, Herb is just the guy that, unless he can't play, he's going to be out there. But you know, he's the guy that got in foul trouble early against LSU. And then you know, with, with Alabama, um, you know, in control for the most part, they were able to kind of get him some rest. And uh, same goes for James Rojas. Um, yeah, I thought Alex Reese has been dealing with a knee injury, played really well against uh, LSU. And so I, I just think that it's a situation where guys are going to be banged up at this point in the season. I think getting Herb some, some rest against LSU was, was big. Um, you know, Getting him close to, to 90 to 100% is, is huge for this team. So they're going to continue to try to do that. But um, you know, it, it sounds like everybody's going to be able to go. We're going to hear from Nate Oates probably about an hour. Uh, but I wouldn't I wouldn't imagine that they'll be without anybody safe for, for Brenner for this game. You look at this Missouri team, similar to Alabama in some ways, and that it has some moss on it. When I say that, I'm talking about veteran in nature. And when I look at this matchup tomorrow, I get the sense from the Missouri perspective, nothing has been said to this extent from Mizzou. But if I'm Missouri and I watch the tape from, say, Oklahoma last Saturday, 
I'm thinking Missouri is going to take a similar approach tomorrow and try to really get into Alabama physically. You know, Alabama was much better in the paint um, and also second chance points uh, against LSU than it was against Oklahoma. But you, know, you look at the makeup of this Missouri team with Tillman and with even the guards are, are kind of athletic, strong guys, retin Obasahan types. Um you think Missouri going to try to to push Alabama around a little bit tomorrow? I would if I was them. You know, I think that would be the the smart approach for a team like that, a experienced group that's playing pretty well. And uh, it is it it it's worth noting, like you said, that Alabama was able to bounce back um, against LSU just in terms of its performance on the glass and um, you know turning around second chance points. But you know, Missouri, I think is is going to come in a little healthier and um again it's a it's a team that has a makeup a lot like oklahoma it's it's led by some veterans it has i think four players averaging double figures and um yeah i think an aggressive approach attacking alabama is smart and try to get it kind of on its heels and uh, oklahoma proved uh that can work and so yeah i mean with it being especially recent i, I think that you know, missouri would be um you know, foolish to, to not look at that Oklahoma tape and try to take some things away to do against Alabama this weekend. You and I view Alabama football through the, the team perspective, not so much the recruiting perspective. But you know, given what we know now with this 2021 class, we think all but finalized, maybe another guy or two out there as we talked about early in the program. But what's what's in the fold right now? What's on the way with this latest class and understanding where Alabama has some key departures. Uh, give me the one area of this Alabama team for 2021 that you think this class can help the most. Uh, it's, it's tough to pick one because I think there's a few, but obviously with the offensive line uh, class, they were able to sign and losing three starters there. I think that's where guys can come in and be your day one contributors. You know, Alabama signed the top two tackles in the country you know, guys that are top five players uh, overall in J.C. Latham and, and Tommy Brockermeyer and with uh, Alex Leatherwood moving on, um, you would think that Evan Neal would kick out from, from right tackle to left and then that right tackle spot would be open for the taking. And, and we've seen freshmen come in and, and play tackle, um, especially of late at Alabama. So I, I think the offensive line is, is one to watch. If you have three openings, you know, you think that a guy like Chris Owens would fill one, and then Alabama has some depth in the interior to replace a guy like uh, Deontay Brown. But just with this, you know, stellar group of offensive linemen, that one makes a lot of sense. And then you know, wide receiver too. Um, you know, Alabama has John Mitchell coming back. Slade Bolden played a lot last year. Um, you know, young guys like Javon Baker, um, Treshawn Holden, Tyu Jones Bell are going to get more opportunities. Same goes for a guy like Xavier Williams, but. You, you look back to that 2017 class whenever whenever they were able to sign guys like Gary Judy and Devontae Smith and, and Henry Ruggs. Those, those guys came in and played as true freshmen and played a lot with guys like Calvin Ridley and Robert Foster and Cam Sims on that roster. So I, I think that guys like a Ja'Cory Brooks or um, a Christian Leary, a JoJo Earl, even a, a Jai Hall, three of those guys are on campus already. They're going to be able to come in and, and make a contribution. Maybe as a reserve starting out, but they get work their way up and increase their minutes. So offensively, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I do think on defense, maybe at corner, some guys like Jaquincy McKinstry or Kyrie Jackson will get a look. But what they have to replace on the offensive line and at receiver just makes a lot of sense for a newcomer to have a chance to come in and contribute right away. Super Bowl Sunday coming up. I know you do. We've talked about this before. A great job of tracking Alabama alums throughout the, the NFL season. Uh, looks like though Sunday you're going to be able to just enjoy the rotel, maybe some Swedish meatballs, a chicken wing or two without much stress. Where it comes to uh, keeping track of Alabama guys in this game, Charlie. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's going to be different. Um, you know that keeping up with the Alabama players in the NFL, it's fun because we've talked about it before. It's it's enjoyable to see the guys that you talked to for three or four years to go on and have success at the next level, but. Uh, it's a task because Alabama has, you know, 60 plus players on NFL rosters. But in this game, um, you know, in a, in a perfect world, they would have a player on each each team. But OJ Howard is 
sidelined by an Achilles injury, so he's not on the Buccaneers' active roster. And then Garrick Dieter, uh, unless something changes, and I've just missed it, you know, he's on the practice squad for the Chiefs, so he won't be playing on Sunday unless they activate him, which they've done from time to time throughout the season, so that's not completely ruled out. But um, you know, it's a, it's a situation where it's going to be quiet from an Alabama perspective, but those guys can still you know, win a ring. But it, it is always fun. To, I, I enjoy the Super Bowl because it's an event. Like you said, I mean, people you know, plan what they're going to eat. You know, people sit back and and uh, debate over the commercials, the the halftime show. But it's it's always fun just to to see the the season culminate. But it is also sad because after this, you know, there's no football for a while. But um, from an Alabama perspective, it's going to be quiet. But you know, hopefully, OJ and um, Garrick, one of them, can can add to their hardware collection after Sunday. Do you have a spread lined up? Do you already have a menu? Charlie for Sunday? Not yet. Um, you know, the wife's been working the last few days. She's a night shift nurse. So I think we're going to get on that today. Uh, probably go to the grocery store and figure it out. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'll let her deal with that because I'm not, I'm not welcome in the kitchen when it comes to things <laughs> like that. So, uh, hopefully we'll have something good. I mean, it, it, it is also year two where, um, you know, there's times in the past where you've had Super Bowl parties and things like that. So we'll probably just be the two of us watching it, but you can't beat that with what she can uh, whip up in the kitchen. Lucky man. Lucky man, Charlie. So who's the pick? Chiefs or Bucks? Where are you going with that one? Yeah, I've I've thought about it a lot. Um, you know, the, the Chiefs make sense just because of what they were able to accomplish last year. But with, with Tom Brady, you can never really rule him out. They're not playing the Giants, so you have to feel good about that. But I, I think the, the mixture of, of Tom Brady, the weapons he has around him, and that Buccaneers defense is, is going to make things interesting. So I expect it to be a close game. And um, you know, for me, if, if I had to pick a team to win, I, I might pick the, the Bucks in a bit of an upset I know the Chiefs are the popular pick. There you go. Charlie Potter, he's ready. He's got a plan. Super Bowl weekend coming up around the Potters. That's the place to be. Hey, Charlie, as always, we appreciate the time, my friend. Always great stuff there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie, right now, revisiting uh, his his list of preseason picks, re-ranking Alabama's most important players for 2020. Number 24 up there right now, uh, Miller Forstall, the now former Alabama tight end. Be sure to check out that from Charlie as well. Thanks, Charlie. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. There he goes, Charlie Potter. If you haven't already, give him a follow on Twitter at Charlie underscore Potter, P-O-T-T-E-R. Right back to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line. Cowboy out in the state of Texas. I believe we have Cowboy ready to go. We're going right to you, Cowboy. How you doing? All right, Travis. How about yourself? Hanging in there, my man. Well, that's good. I'm sitting here kind of scratching my head, see what you think. What kind of offensive identity you think we're going to kind of try to see next year with Bill O'Brien-led Alabama offense? I know it'll probably be different than the Steve Sarkeesian-style offense because every coordinator has his own kind of way of doing things. You think we might go back to more of the running style next year with the young quarterback, young Run out oh, young receivers. Um, I'm, I'm I think just trying you, to figure it out a little bit. I think you just hit on it. I mean, the personnel is probably going to dictate something totally different, at least early on, than what we've seen the last two or three years. I mean, Sark was great, don't get me wrong. But speaking of Charlie, we do a podcast together for BamaOnline.com. And one of the main topics we discussed recently on that podcast is the situation Bill O'Brien's inheriting from a personnel perspective in comparison to Steve Sarkeesian a couple years ago. And it couldn't be any more different. I mean, when you want to just talk about quarterback, receiver, running back, even the offensive line going into that 2019 season, uh, worlds of different. So it it will be fascinating. And that's the natural natural inclination to think the offensive line should still be of high quality, but who's going to be your guy at running back? You know, Brian Robinson, you pull for him because he's hung around, waited his turn, but he's averaged less than five yards per carry during his Alabama career. 
You know, that's that's not the norm for guys with 200-plus carries in their career since about right. 2008. So is he the guy? Is it Jace McClellan? Is it going to be back to the committee approach that we last saw really in like 2018? Um, it, it's it's going to be the storyline, no doubt about yeah. it, for this football team you in 2021. There with, you just hit some point, kind of my contingent. I talked to people about Brian Robinson. No disrespect to Brian or anything. No. Uh, but I just wonder with next year, with we kind of moving with a new coordinator, new offense, maybe if Brian couldn't make an NFL team and, you know, put some money in his pocket, we might be better off going with some of these younger guys and maybe after, or, or is it too late for him to go to the draft, say, after spring or, or you know, no, I, I, this summer? I, I think Brian sticks. I, I'd be surprised at this point if he went back on that. I, I think he needs the year. I think he's banking on being – you know, a guy that gets north of 150 carries potentially. But even if he is one of those guys, you still have to have a dynamic complement. And Jace McClellan showed you, you don't want to talk about yards per carry, it was on a limited sample size, but the guy averaged north of 10 yards per carry in 2020. So he showed you some home run ability. Keelan Robinson, assuming he is back, he showed you in 2019, he had the two longest runs by an Alabama running back two seasons ago. It wasn't Najee, yeah. it wasn't Brian Robinson. It was Keelan Robinson. So he's got some of that too. Obviously, Kamar Wheaton comes in. You've still got Roy Dell Williams. I mean, you're going to have seven scholarship backs, it looks like. Right. And Why so how so many, many scholarship backs will you have coming out of fall camp might be the better question. Yeah. I, why do you think so many people, when they you, um, I hear it in Gary Harris's voice, they get excited with the mention of Keelan Robinson, and I just wonder why he didn't stay with his teammates last year. And you know, yeah. Nick Saban would be the best coach you could play for in a COVID situation. And I just, you know, I just have my concerns there. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't really critique that decision one way or the other because I don't have the particulars on what went into Keelan Robinson's decision on the personal level to, to yeah. opt out. Yeah. But uh, yeah. it, it must have, you know, I'm guessing it, 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 it fit with Nick Saban okay, because it sounds like he, he very much has an opportunity to return. Now, you know, did he leave the door open for a guy like Jace McClellan to kind of assert himself as maybe next guy up? And here's the thing with Keelan Robinson. You know, I'm not sure. I love Keelan Robinson, and I'll tell you why. Not just the the burst and the the the, the explosive plays. For his size, he runs like he's 230. I mean, he's fearless mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. runs the football. Mm-hmm. I love that about him. Mm-hmm. Plus, you think about the things you can do with him in space, throw it to him, get him wide, right. get him some matchups like Jalen Waddle. I love all that. Um, but, I mean, I think it's wide open. You know, Brian Robinson, Brian Robinson's value right now through what we've seen of him to this point, the intangibles are as valuable as even the tangible things. Because when you go out there this spring and you got a new position coach in Robert Gillespie and you got widely a very inexperienced group other than Brian Robinson, you got a guy at the front of the line that can set the standard on a daily basis, whether it's the practice field meetings, just that alone. If that's largely the extent of what you get out of Brian Robinson in 2021 there, to me, there's extreme value in that. Yeah, you're right. Hey, I got something else here to ask. I grew up in Birmingham and I remember I wasn't a, a fan of theirs, UAB, but you'd see it on TV sometimes. And, the Jacksonville Dolphin basketball program always gave yes. Bartow fit. How did Jacksonville lose their kind of, you know, what, what they were? I know basketball's changed a lot since then, but, you know, it seems like they could do decent in the Atlantic Sun. Um, or what? Or I guess that's the league they might be in now. I'm not sure, but I remember yep. they were, you know, 
decent. Did there just no support for the program? Or, oh, I loved it. Uh, you remember Alan Ogg of UAB, I'm sure, the big man yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Growing up in Jacksonville, we'd go down to the Coliseum, Pops, me, my brothers, and it was. It was big. The Sun Belt Conference back then, as you know, that was a big deal, Cowboy. The Sun Belt was kind of like, as a non-Power 5 league, kind of like what the AAC is now. Hey, Sun yeah. Belt had some damn good teams. I mean, you had ODU, you had UAB, South Alabama was good. Um, VCU? You know, VCU always had good teams. So, uh, and, and in Jacksonville... You remember these, too. You had the bowl game tournaments for basketball. We had the Gator Bowl tournament in yeah. Jacksonville right right around the week of the Gator Bowl. Man, it was awesome. We had Barkley and Person and Auburn in there one year. We had Villanova in there with Raleigh Massimino. Florida would come in, and that Coliseum would be packed. Saw Mark Price in Georgia Tech with John Sally in there one year. Uh-huh. Wake Forest with Muggsy Bogues. North Carolina came in there for a Gator Bowl tournament. Those things yeah. just kind of went away. And who was, and the, who was the coach for Jacksonville back in those heydays? You had Tate's Lock. Remember Tate's Lock? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Tate's was in there with Artis Gilmore when they went to the national finals and lost to UCLA. Yeah. Tate's was a little shady. Tate's was a little shady, cowboy. He but uh, hey, he got it hey, done. You know, yeah. back before the you know, back in the seventies or whatever, the Gator Bowl also was considered the best bowl that won the New Year's Day Bowl. Absolutely, absolutely. And you talk about packed houses. That's my formative years. I was there the night Woody uh, Woody punched Charlie Ballman of Clemson. Yeah, I was. Uh, that I was, was. I was at Woody Hayes' last game. Didn't know it as a kid, yeah. but I was there that night. Hey, 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 I can do this all day, Cowboy, with you. I love it, but we got to get to this break. Jacob's screaming right, at yeah. me. Oh, sure. But thanks George, for the call, my man. All right. <laughs> there you go. Speaking of, speaking of Jacksonville days by gone, gone by, Pop's coming up next right here on Southern Fried Sports. You. If you are partially sunny this afternoon, Tuscaloosa's high 51. For tonight, mostly fair with a low at 30. Tomorrow becoming cloudy, a chance of rain by afternoon, the high 52. And for Sunday, rain ending early in the day, becoming partially sunny, the high 51. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Want some whiskey in your water, sugar in your tea? What's all this crazy question they're asking me? This is the craziest party that could ever be. Don't turn on lights, cause I don't want to see. I'm a remembers this one little three dog night i remember hearing this in pops's land yachtish 37 foot long buick he had back in the day i think pops little three dog night mama told me yeah that's, that's a great song <laughs> you, did you have a three dog night eight track pops <laughs> i love it yeah yeah <laughs> You probably got into some trouble with that song serving as the soundtrack back in the day, I would think, man. That could have been playing on a tavern jukebox when things went wrong at some point. I could could envision that. I could envision that. Hey, Pops, we're talking about Bama in the big game with the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Rank Alabama's three Super Bowl champion quarterbacks for me. Bart Starr. Joe Willie Namath and Ken Stabler. Rank them one through three, Pops. You got to give me one through oh, three. Star Namath Stabler. Well, got to do it. That's not Rank fair because uh, I, I, I love I, all of them. But you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Namath boy when it comes to the Super Bowl. I Super mean, that's, Bowl three. That's the, that's the only guy I'd want. I'm, and changed I know the whole, changed great, the whole sport, didn't it? But I'll take I'll take Namath number one. 
and 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 I love Stabler too. I mean, he was so cool, calm, and collective, and he had that southpaw, you know. Fred Bolitnikoff, Cliff Branch, uh, yeah. So I guess I'd go with Stabler and, and then Bart Starr, and I don't mean to be cutting Bart Starr. It's just that I I, I didn't get to watch a, a lot of Bart Starr back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't have access to every game in the league like we do now. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I love the Green Bay Packers. I couldn't t- stand Jim Taylor, though. I, I, I didn't like him at all. But, yeah, you said that uh, a couple like times. You didn't Star. like Jim Taylor at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you mean you didn't get to see the Packers back in the day? I mean, the Packers of Lombardi, they, weren't on, Lombardi. they weren't on television every Sunday? Yes, Lombardi. Well, you didn't have cable TV back then. But they didn't show it on just CBS yeah. or something. Well, back Pops? back back in the day, the Redskins were on every Sunday, and they didn't okay. see, they didn't broadcast every game. Mm-hmm. You know, why they were they showing the Redskins? It, it it was the Washington uh, football team. It was back now. before they were getting millions and millions and millions from all these ESPN and and everybody else to broadcast too. You know, logistically, getting to Green Bay and getting that set up probably wasn't easy either. I mean, we're talking about Green Bay, Wisconsin, yeah, especially we, back it, in the day. It was always great to watch because it was snowed in and, and, and mm-hmm. snow flurries and, and, the ice bowl. and blood and guts and, and stuff like that. Bart Starr was, he was certainly the most calm and collective football player on the field. But I'm a nameless nut, and I can't... I, when it comes to the Super Bowl, nobody will replace him, in my my uh, opinion. Called uh, a shot. Yeah. Stabler, I, I, I mean, I enjoyed watching Stabler because you laugh, you know. Mm-hmm. Studying the playbook by the light of the jukebox, you know. Right. Ken Stabler, back in the day. I remember the Super Bowl. We, we watched it. I still remember. We watched it. Uh, you and I, or I, I got, I got upset because I was a, I was such a Fran Tarkenton fan back then, and uh, the Raiders and your boy Fred Bolitnikoff made yeah. easy work, made easy work of my Vikings back in the mid seventies. There, that was at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, and yeah. you were, you were pulling for Snake and the Raiders, as I recall. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I like Fran Tarkenton too. He was terrific to watch. I mean, he could, you know, scramble. He was scrambling before scramble was even thought of, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I'm a, I, I love the snake, you know. Mm-hmm. Best quarterback never to win a Super Bowl, Pops. Who would you who would you well, say I, that is? Dan Marino. Marino, okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, and and I like Joe Montana. But you know he mm-hmm. battled Mont- uh, Montana in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 didn't get the victory. But, well, uh, you know, Marino Marino got there so early in his career, you thought yeah. he would go back three or four more times, and it really never happened. You know, right, right. Ran into those Forty ers out in Palo Alto. Yeah, that uh, that Montana was a great quarterback too. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. See, Pops, a lot of people, a lot of people talk about Mac Jones in comparison to Tom Brady. I think I see more Joe Montana in Mac Jones. Well, I think you're right. I think you're right. And there's nothing wrong with that comparison at all. Montana. Neither one. Yeah. I mean, the boy could do it, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But but I think you're right about that. Uh, Brady. Brady's more of a, a swashbuckler than than uh, than Mac is. You know, Mac's got that calm. Uh, he has a role to play, and he plays it, and that's what Montana mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Uh, distribute the ball. Mm-hmm. Are you re-energized at this point? With our Jacksonville Jaguars, with the hiring <laughs> of Urban Meyer and the promise well, of Trevor Lawrence, are you officially rejuvenated with our Jags, pops? Well, I, I was yesterday talking to a friend from out of town. He called. He's talking about the Jaguars. Of course, he's an Urban Meyer guy. He's a Gator, and and 
he's all fired up about Urban Meyer being here and this and that and the other. And I am too. I'm, I mean, I'm glad we got him. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just, it's going to really be interesting if, if him not ever uh, having a losing season. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. going to be going to have one this year, probably. <laughs> I don't see how he can avoid it this year. If he does, he'll be the he'll get coach of the year in the NFL. That's for sure. He could go. He could go eight and eight and get coach of the year. <laughs> probably would. Yeah. yeah. You know, our caller, our caller cowboy just called in before you. He's out in Texas, and yeah. he grew up in Birmingham, and he was he was going down memory lane about the old Sun Belt basketball from back in the day, Pops. When the J, he, he mentioned the JU Dolphins, you know, and yeah. Tots Lock, and uh, those were some good times. Joe Williams, I guess. Uh, yeah. Uh, you, you had some great teams there. Well, Tate Lock was a great coach. I, I really enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. He's a little shady. Tate's a little shady. With yeah. one minute to go. People were leaving, you know, and this was mm-hmm. back when they filled, filled the Coliseum up when 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 Tate's was there, and uh, ten thousand in there, yeah, yeah, and 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 Ju won, you know, mm-hmm. Tate's did everything that a coach can do, and and they came back and won that ball game, and and I'll never forget that. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a big win. They beat UNC Charlotte that night, and uh, yeah, big game. Was it Joe Williams that was the coach that yeah. took him to the? Yeah, I thought it was him, Tate's, but Tate's was, was after that. Yeah, and and uh, Coach Wasden was his assistant. Tom Wasden, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But but Joe Williams had a. I mean, what that was incredible. Have you been to any Ju games this season? I did. I went last Saturday. Okay. I went to the Liberty game. Okay. And of course they lost, but. Uh, they're actually uh, nine and nine right now, which which it, which will take. Yeah. Uh, but Liberty treading water. They got this kid McGee, number two. It's only five eight. They say he's five eight. I swear I don't think. And I guarantee if he weighs one hundred and thirty, I'm exaggerating. But uh, <laughs> this kid can play, and I really well, enjoyed watching uh... him. We look forward to catching up with you this weekend. We'll talk to yeah. you soon. Yeah. All right. There he goes. Pops on a Friday. Taking us down memory lane. couple different ways. couple different routes there with Pops. Always enjoy it. Lunch whistle on this Friday. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. If they've got the roasted chicken wings for your Super Bowl spread, get by there and pick those up. They are out of this world. So many great options at Southern Ale House. 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. I got the Chiefs over the Bucks, by the way, Sunday. Until 11 a.m. on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Summertime. Summertime.